Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Episode 192 of the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. I think he proved he's up to the task. Let's start the show. We are now the defenders of the stronghold of democracy and of equal opportunity. Welcome to the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. I am your host, Chris Hahn. Thank you for liking, rating, reviewing, subscribing, telling your friends about the pod. Uh, We continue to grow at a very rapid pace, and I truly appreciate it. Uh, i got a great guest today, Jill Weinbanks, doing a traditional show. I'm going to do a short opening here, and then my conversation with Jill Weinbanks, which happened uh, just two days after the State of the Union last week. I know I haven't... The weird schedule, right? State of the Union was Tuesday night. You all know I record this podcast on Monday, and it comes out Tuesday morning. So I haven't talked to you in a week. A lot has happened in a week. We had a Super Bowl, which was fantastic. I hope you had a happy Super Bowl. I made chili. It came out spectacular, I might add. First attempt, uh, got a recipe uh, for Texas chili and mixed it up a little bit, made it a little spicier than it probably needed to be, but I think everybody liked it. Uh, And uh, had a big party. People came over. We enjoyed it. And and, and I got to tell you, it's one of those things. It's one of those few events that a great deal, I mean, not everybody, clearly, but a good portion of this country sits down and does the same time, right? This is why these these football franchises are worth so much money, because it's the only place you could really advertise where people are actually going to see it. I mean, obviously, you know, we've got all these ways of uh, that they could reach us advertisers now, but the only way you could put on a traditional commercial is really on a sporting event, and Football, the NFL, has done a fantastic job of developing a television audience. And these franchises are worth, you know, billions. I mean, maybe four or five billion dollars. And it's because of their ability to advertise. So uh, we all sit down in this country, we watch the Super Bowl. Not everybody, but like 80 million homes. It was on that. That's probably at least 200 million people watching this thing. I think that's what it means. I think they're measuring homes. I don't. I don't know how they can measure people. How do they you know? I had thirty-five people in my house on Super Bowl Sunday, but let's assume even if it's eighty million people, what else is getting eighty million people to do the same thing at the same time nowadays? Nothing. Not even the State of the Union, right? Maybe twenty million people tuned in to watch the State of the Union, which is you know a major address by the President of the United States. Where, by the way, here's what you know. You, let me sum it up for you. Here's what the Republicans did. They made Joe Biden look two things, look vibrant and up to the task, 
right? Which, you know, the big argument against Joe Biden is, can he do it? Is he too old? He didn't look too old on Tuesday night. And if you thought he looked too old on Tuesday night, you weren't watching the same speech I was watching. Did not look too old. So he looked vibrant and up to the task, but he also looked like the adult in the room, right? The children, the House Republicans were making all the noise, turning over the desks, hooting and hollering. Joe Biden was the adult. And I got to tell you something. In this country, we vote for adults. It's why we voted for Biden to begin with, right? Obviously, the, the world was gone to hell under Donald Trump, and we needed a change. And that was a big part of it. But in addition, we wanted a grown-up because we didn't have a grown-up in the President of the United States. And we wanted a grown-up in the President of the United States. Now we have a House of Representatives that is behaving like a bunch of spoiled children. And you know what? That's good for Joe Biden. It's good for Democrats running both locally this year and probably nationally next year. So it's going to be a very interesting couple of weeks. Uh, But again, I digress. I think that having an event that we all do together is a, is a good thing. Uh, I don't know if you like football as much as I do, um, but I think it's a good thing. I wish there was more things like that. I wish we had more communal experiences in this country. I wish we all had the same facts in this country. That's a big problem, right? We're all getting our news from places that we agree with. So we don't all have the same facts. And that's a big problem. I mean, we're, you know, uh, you know, I, I give the example of these stupid balloons that are getting shot and da- shot down every couple of days now, it appears. I guess we're, you know, China unleashed a army of balloons or we're knocking down some kid's science experiment. I don't know what's going on with all these balloons that are floating around in this country, but nobody does. I don't even think the army does. I don't even think the classified briefings that were give- that are being given to Congress tells the whole story. I don't think they fully understand yet what's going on here with these things. But we all have opinions on it including me, right? I mean, I'm asked to come on TV to talk about my opinion, so I talk about my opinion. And uh, But uh, you know, make no mistakes, I am not a journalist. I am not reporting facts. I am giving my opinion. And here's the thing. We all need to educate ourselves about what is opinion and what is fact. And I think when we do that, uh, we're going to be in a better place as a democracy. So... All right, I'm take a quick break. I'm going to play my interview with Jill Weinbanks, and then I'll be back to wrap up the show. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Joining me now, one of my favorite guests. She always brings it. Jill Weinbanks is, uh, you know, look, she's a political commentator. She's a legal scholar. Uh, She worked on the committee investigating Watergate. And you see her on MSNBC. Jill, how you doing? I'm doing great, thank you. Well, thank you for taking the time tonight. I truly appreciate it. Always love having you on, getting your opinion on what's going on. So did you watch the State of the Union this week? Of course I watched it. And what'd you think? Every part of it. <laughs> I thought that the president, and, and I don't know if you know this, but I was a Biden delegate. I ran and was elected as a Biden delegate. And I did it because I felt that he was, the person who could really win 
Right. Obviously, I was correct. But I also think he's the person who can win again. Mm. And I think he was brilliant in what he did. Um, he really had the right style of delivery. He had the right substance of delivery. And um, I just think he was he was pitch perfect on everything he said. And he showed his energy level and his, you know, everything else. Um, so I like the issues he focused on. And I was very happy with him. I, I got to tell you, I'm usually nervous when he goes off the cuff, but he was really good off the he cuff and like responding to the Republican jeers that were happening, which I found, by the way, remarkably disrespectful of the president, the office of the presidency, the chamber, the whole traditions of this country. I'm sure you did as well. Absolutely. I mean, it was, um, it was, I think in some ways expected and yet it was so dramatically horrible. (laughs) The visuals of it are so embarrassing. Yeah. I think even, even Kevin McCarthy, I think was embarrassed by how his, his caucus behaved. Like, wouldn't it be refreshing to us all if, like, he just said it? Like, yeah, I'm embarrassed by it. Like, I, I hate this whole, like, you know, Kevin McCarthy goes on TV the next day and he's like, oh, he goaded my members into doing that. Really? What are they, children? These are grown people. Yeah. Um, I would say that that is a ridiculous statement. Um, and he... He didn't. He said something that was true and that is provably true. Right. And so it's absurd that they would um, that they would do what they did. And yet, unfortunately, in this environment, it's completely predictable that they would do that. So, I, um, there you have it. Yeah. I, I always say that nothing drives a politician crazier than if you you throw their words right back at them. Right. I mean, that's what happened. That's how I got into my big fight with Giuliani on TV. I threw his words right back at him and he called me a liar for saying something he just said <laughs> literally minutes earlier. And in this case, you know, you got Mike Lee going on podcasts and radio shows following up this whole experience saying, oh, I can't believe he would say that about me and uh, my caucus. We never proposed that. And then there's tape. Let's go to the videotape of Mike Lee saying we've got to tear Social Security out by the roots. So what do you think they are thinking when they do that? They they have to be smart enough to know that they were recorded saying those things and that they will be caught. Right. That you can play back their own words. Right. I, I don't know how they think they can get away with it. And yet, obviously, they do think they can because they keep on doing it. I think they just rely, in my opinion, I think they just rely on the fact that people are so partisan today that they're playing to a certain base and that their partisanship in their areas, like in Utah, people are so Republican, they're not going to ever vote for a Democrat. Uh, Mike Lee doesn't have anything to worry about. He could say whatever he wants and even say he didn't say things that he actually said and that you can actually observe him saying. Well, it is sort of true that these days facts don't matter and that people are willing to believe anything they want to believe, even when shown the proof um, to the contrary. And it's only actually in a trial where I think even the most loyal Trump supporters, even the most rabid MAGA people say, well, I'm sworn as a juror to listen to the evidence and to make my decision based on the evidence. 
And you do have one example in the Manafort trial of a Trump juror who said, I love Trump. I believe everything he says. But in this case, I voted to convict Manafort on all counts because I was sworn to do it on the evidence right. in this courtroom. Right. And so there is hope. There is hope. And, you know, we do have today the breaking news is that uh, Vice President Pence has been subpoenaed. And that is, you know, that's big news. And we're, of course, hoping that he will tell the truth. And, you know, that he won't claim he has no memory of probably the most critical day in his life. Yeah. But there could then be an indictment and there would be a trial. And then a jury would have to say, OK, Vice President Pence is testifying, saying that this is how endangered my life was by the president's words. Right. And I'm going to have to judge that on the evidence in this courtroom, not on the president, the former president's words saying, oh, I didn't do anything. I don't understand so, why Mike Pence would protect this guy at this point. I mean, he wants to run for president himself. Um, he, you know, the man sent an army to kill him. Let's be clear. I mean, he did. Yeah. Uh, and and why on earth would anybody protect somebody like that? Um, I, you know, you'd need a really good psychiatrist to try to figure that out. Political strategy-wise, is it that he so fears the power of Donald Trump that he feels he can never win if he angers the Trump supporters? Right. And so he's willing to give up. But, you know, it was his family was with him. They all could have been killed. Yeah. He was a target. Yeah. I mean, it, even if he didn't realize it at the time, which I'm sure he did, but and he must have realized because he's the one who said, I'm not getting in this car because I don't trust you. Right. So he knew that there there was, you know, some some risk that he would never be able to do his sworn duty in presiding over that count. Right. If he left the building. And so he knew. But even if he didn't, he has to have seen the videotapes since then. Right. And that certainly shows people yelling, hang Mike Pence. Right. They built a scaffold to do that. Right. So uh, I don't I don't know how I don't know how he could do that. I don't know what he's thinking or why he thinks that doing that actually helps him. It I'm, helps the I, president. It helps the former president get reelected. I mean, I know there's a certain niceness from being in the Midwest, right? I mean, you live in the Midwest. I live on the coast. Yeah. But, I, I, I mean, I don't think you're, you're that nice that somebody's going to try to kill you and you can just be nice to them, right? I don't, I don't think it extends to people who are trying to kill you. Absolutely, yeah. Right. I, I, I don't think so. I mean, I, I, it's hard to imagine how you would feel in the moment if someone threatened your life or the life of a loved one. I think Mike Pence needs to come to reality that he's never going to be president, yeah. right? There is no Mike Pence lane in the Republican Party anymore. It's over for him. So now what he should probably do is determine if he's a patriot or just a political hack. And he should just come and step up, do the right thing by the country, put country first over his political career, over his reputation, over his speaking fees down the road. Put country first and do the right thing. Tell the right story. It's not even just putting country first. Isn't it just he is a man supposedly of God? Right. Why isn't he paying attention to being honest? Isn't that one of the first things that religion teaches you is honesty and truth? 
Yeah, there's a lot of things that Christianity teaches you that Republicans seem to forget, like, you know, helping those in need. Like, that's not a big priority for them right now. Right. You have a very good point there, Chris. (laughs) So I don't believe that any of them are really Christians. I really don't. I mean, I grew up in the church. I'm not part of it really anymore. But, uh, you know, it's not the Christ I knew. Uh, this, This heartless, you know you know, prosperity gospel that they all cling to. It's it's kind of ridiculous, but I am like befuddled that the college board would capitulate to a guy like Ron DeSantis on their AP African-American studies thing. I mean, it, clearly it was a political stunt for this guy to like try to gain some traction nationally. And the college board should be above that, don't you think? And it's because... The position that they are now in is wrong morally and substantively, but also because I have to think, um, and, and in addition to my legal career, I've had a corporate career, so I can do this as a corporate officer, and they're going to lose money on this because it's what is needed is a course that will prepare someone to get credit in college, which is what AP courses do. It's going to have to be something that sells in every single state. Right. And it's not going to sell in every single state if you leave out critical elements of what is involved in teaching African-American studies. And it's something that, and I don't think this is just for people of color. No. I certainly, if I had the choice, I would take that as an interesting history course. I don't know the history because I grew up in an era where that certainly wasn't taught. Um, it, it wasn't part of my curriculum. And it's definitely an important part of the curriculum. And the things that were omitted, which you, you know that the college board is saying, oh, we didn't do it because of that. Right. But there's now uh, revealed letters in exchange between the board and DeSantis. That right. Certainly, uh, I would draw the conclusion that it absolutely was because of the correspondence with Florida that they changed the curriculum. And it seems to me that they are just wrong to have done that. I mean, this is what drives me crazy about this. The College Board, which also does the SATs, right? They are the gatekeeper for so many Americans to entry into college. They are not supposed to be subject. They should not be allowing really base politics is what this was, right? base politics, a politician doing what politicians do to influence their decision. You know, and I'm sorry, Ron DeSantis is a despicable human being in the way he's running that state and, you know, his his anti-woke act. I guess it's, you know, free speech in Florida unless you disagree with Ron DeSantis is really what it is. (laughs) I mean, ask Disney World. Uh, It's a, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a travesty to me. And I would think that somebody at the college board should be removed from this. And I think we should reconsider. I think every university in the country should reconsider the weight they pay to the college board. And maybe the college board is not the right, uh, you know, the right group to be managing uh, advanced placement. Very possibly. Um, They're going to have a lot of explaining to do. Unfortunately, of course, the House certainly isn't going to investigate it. Um, will the Senate? Maybe. Uh, will some, you know, is there a crime involved? Maybe. Um, I haven't thought about what possible crime it would be for them to have caved on the curriculum. 
And um, I mean, I think all of the things that were in the original curriculum are really important aspects for people to understand. Right. But, you know, I, I totally don't get this fear of teaching um, children. And we're not teaching people to hate themselves. We're teaching right. them to understand what the past was so that it isn't prologue to the future. Right. So that we can change things. And so if you don't understand what really happened and if you, you know, sugarcoat it and you fake it, how are you going to ever make progress? Um, I live in a, I live in Evanston and I, we have voted to pay reparations in our town. Huh. So I mean, we're a very progressive town. Right. It, you know, anybody looking for a very progressive, terrific place to live, Evanston is your answer. Um, and I think it's just, uh, of course, it's wrong. There's nothing that you can say. I cannot make an argument, uh, even playing devil's advocate, that would say they were right to cut this out. There is nothing harmful in educating high school students at an appropriate level right. with what, what the past was so that they understand where we are and what can be done to correct it. And, and he's obsessed with anything that has anything to do with, with homosexuality. Uh, you know, he's obsessed with it as if like some kid reading that there were African-Americans involved with the gay liberation movement in this country would turn somebody gay. I, I, I know Ron DeSantis went to Harvard and he knows how people become gay. I'm pretty sure he knows that they're born that way, but he's playing to this base. And the fact that the you know, the college board would take that part of the curriculum out and, and replace it with black conservatism, which I don't even know what it is, frankly. Uh, I, I know there's Tim Scott, and I think that's it, right? Uh, so I don't I don't understand what that is. Well, you know, what was helpful would have been if he had had this course, maybe he wouldn't feel that way. Yeah. If all of the Trump face that he is pandering to had had this course, maybe they would understand in a way that they don't currently. Yeah. Education is key to changing things. Education and exposure. I mean, it's, 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 it's not just education. If you went to an all-white school and never met someone who was a person of color, then you might fear the unknown. Right. But if you went to school with someone and got to know that person, it changes your whole perspective, and we'd have a much better world. Absolutely. In a truly integrated society. Absolutely. All right, Jill, I mean, it's been 50 years since the introduction of the ERA, and it's starting to make a little bit of a comeback. And I, I, I mean, I know that uh, as a young lawyer, uh, you were involved with this. I, I We've had a conversation about this, over, I, I think, over the years. And I'd love to get, you know, your take on where we are now, where it's going. Well, this was actually originally proposed over 100 years ago. Wow. But it passed Congress in uh, 1972, so it's more than 50 years now. And it's three years since the 38th state ratified it. And when 38 states ratify an amendment, it is passed. It is adopted. Right. And all that needs to happen once that happens under the terms of the Equal Rights Amendment, which is just a few words that says basically there will be no discrimination because of the gender of a person so that women 
for the very first time would be included in the Constitution, which otherwise refers only to men. Right. So, and basically white men is what we're talking about. Yeah, white male and property owners. Terms, <laughs> right. And in, in the language of the ERA, as passed, it says that it will become, its consequences will be effective two years after the 38th state vote. Right. That was a year ago. One year ago. Right. And yet, isn't being uh, implemented. And in my opinion, there's only two things that could make that happen. One is the president tells the archivist, the uh, National Archives Association, and says, publish it as the 28th Amendment, and that's the end of it. Right. Or he tells his attorney general, start enforcing it. Because under its terms, it needs nothing further. And the arguments against it are that there was a time limit set, but the time limit was in a preface. It wasn't in the amendment that states voted on. Right. Therefore, it is not a binding and effective thing. And the other is that a couple of states have said, oh, we made a mistake. We shouldn't have done it. We want to rescind our ratification. That is clear law. Right. You cannot rescind your ratification. Once it's passed, And the Constitution itself makes no mention of a time limit for passing a... a, a, No, good heavens, no. The 27th Amendment took 202 years to pass. Wow. Okay, so, you know, this is a little over the time limit that Congress suggested, but it doesn't need any congressional action. President Biden said in his State of the Union, which we were just talking about, said... If there is a national ban passed, which there won't be because the Senate will not pass it, but um, if there's a national ban on abortions passed, I will veto it. Right. Well, he doesn't have to veto it. All he has to do is start enforcing the Equal Rights Amendment, because under the Equal Rights Amendment, it could not happen. So tell me that. Explain to me why that is. Why? Why it is? Yeah. Why would like the equal rights amendment, uh, you know, out basically make it harder for Republicans to ban abortion nationally? Because that would be taking away a right based on gender. Only women can have an abortion. Ah. And I know there's this debate now about whether you say people with a uterus to be all inclusive, and I'm happy with that language. I'm happy with saying women. If someone is um, a person with a uterus who has become a trans man, they can have a baby. And so they should be included in this. And, um, you know, it's also uh, RIFRO, the Religious Freedom and Restoration Act, also could be used to reinstate abortion because I am Jewish and you are taking away my rights because under my religion, there is no life until the first arm comes out of the birth canal. Mm. And so saying that I cannot have an abortion prior to that is denying me my religious freedom. So this act that was meant to give special rights to Christians is now depriving me of my rights. Right. Well, let me ask you this question, though. Let me ask this question about that. Mm -hmm. Where is that written? Is that in the Bible? The first arm? It, you know, I, I have to say, I don't know. I, I know this from my work in 
the area of choice. Right. That because this is what rabbis say that that is the Talmudic interpretation. Huh. When life begins, life begins, and and I I will get you an answer to that. I would love to know because if that's in the Bible, we have a whole another debate to have here because. Okay. It's the same Bible. Last I checked, first of all, I'm half, you know, half Catholic, half Jewish. So uh, last I checked, it was the same Bible. Only there's a New Testament as well, right? It's like it's like an it's like an extra it's like an extra couple chapters in the soft cover, you know. Well, it's definitely not in that part of the Bible. It's definitely in the old one, but it could also be. Remember, we have all these Talmudic scholars who um, do additional research, and, yep. you know, writings. And it could be in that that it's interpreted as this is what, and it, but for hundreds of years, this is what Jews have accepted as when life begins. It is right. not at conception. It is not at six months. It is not at four months. It's not at nine. It's during the process of birth is when life begins. Who would be the so, ultimate arbiter about? And actually, don't you know? Don't we actually all think of that as otherwise? Wouldn't you be nine months old when you're? Yeah, exactly. I'd be nine months old. They would be the day of conception. Right. So I'd be older than I am, and I don't want to be any older than I am. I mean, I want to get older. I just don't want to, you know, telling people I'm older. I mean, I'm I'm in show business, Jill. I have to, you know, I'm about to start lying about my age. I haven't lied about my age yet, but I'm thinking about it. I think it's time. I've hit an age. I think where it's time. My mother used to say she was older than she was when she went to the doctor so that he would think she was in great shape for her age. <laughs> yeah, I tell everybody I'm 95, and they go, wow, you look great. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah, right. So, exactly. So, it, 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 very interesting stuff. Who would be the ultimate arbiter about whether the ERA is a part of our Constitution? Would it be the Supreme Court? Oh, did I lose her? I think I might have lost Jill. Well... I'll, if if I get her back, I will uh, I will figure it out. I think we lost her. I think we lost Jill for a minute. Uh, I wonder who the ultimate arbiter was. I would imagine the ultimate arbiter of the ERA would be the United States Supreme Court. And I don't know if that's a good thing. Uh, I think it's a bad thing. Uh, and, you know, who knows? I mean, there's a preamble to the amendment that said it should be passed within two years. I I think that that's not part of the actual law. And I think what was circulated to the states is what governs. And I think we have a 28th Amendment to our United States Constitution right now. And I think it's time for us to figure that out and make that happen. And I think President Biden should be doing that right now. I think he should tell the archivist to include that in the United States Constitution and make it part of the law of the land. Look, we all come from women. Many of us are married to women or are women ourselves, Uh, daughters, all this. Look, to me, it is ultimately important that women are treated equally. It's important that all people, in my opinion, are treated equally. And our Constitution was not written in that way. So having an ERA, having an Equal Rights Amendment is, is something that I think we should all strive for and hope actually happens. It is, uh, it's sad to me that there are people trying to block it and states trying to say that they were not part of it. Yeah, that's her. Okay, I'm going to get, I got Jill back. I was vamping. I was vamping on the ERA. <laughs> when we I, no, I, I heard you. I could hear you the whole time. Oh, weird. And we, then I finally realized, well, I'll just hang up and call back. <laughs> Here I am. You were, you were, you were asked. 
absolutely saying all the right things. I totally approve of everything you said. Good, good. I, I just, I just hope it's not this crazy Supreme Court that gets to be well, the judge. You know, that's a risk to the world on multiple issues. I'd say Moore v. Harper is the most immediate case that's about to be decided. Absolutely. And democracy yeah you got a lot to worry about with the supreme court let me ask you about that you know i only have about two minutes left with you but let me ask you about more v harper quickly i talked to ellie mistal about it a couple weeks ago um and and it is it is one of those cases that you know terrifies a lot of people because it basically allows the legislature to overrule the will of the people yes do you think that's a very good summary of it do you think it has any, do you think it's going to pass? Do you think that the Supreme Court is going to go, you know, going to say this is okay? That this, what do they call it? The um, independent legislative the- yeah, legislature yeah, theory? Legislature. Is, is, which is the, yeah. It's a crackpot theory. It is a crackpot theory, and I believe that it won't be upheld, but then I also couldn't believe that they would do what they did in Dobbs. Right. And so um, I. I can't say for sure at a time when the respect for the Supreme Court is at an all-time low, and well-deservedly so, um, I can't say what will happen. I I think it's a violation of the Establishment Clause of the United States Constitution that guarantees a Republican form of government, small or Republican form of government. And a Republican form of government requires checks and balances with a court— and with an executive and a legislative branch all checking each other. And if the legislative branch can't be checked by the court or the executive, then we don't have a Republican form of government. We have a parliamentary system, which is not what we have here. So I don't know. I mean, that's just me. Uh, no, I think you're right. I think you're right. So I, I'm hoping that, that that I'm right. Well, Jill, I'm glad you got back on the phone so I could say goodbye to you and tell you how much we love you in this country. And Thank we love you, you so coming much. on the Chris Hahn Show. And I always appreciate the time you give me. And uh, and everybody should follow you on Twitter. You're at Jill Weinbanks on Twitter. Exactly. And your exactly. your your podcast is called Sisters-in-Law and Generation... Wait, wait. No, it's hashtag Sisters-in-Law. And hashtag is part of the name. Yep. And iGen Politics. It used to be intergenerational politics. It's now iGen well, Politics because we're hipper. iGen is a much hipper name, and you are a hip yes, person, Jill. Exactly. I really appreciate you joining me. Thank you, and come back you know again soon. I will. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid scale solar energy in Ohio. And producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. All right. I hope you liked that interview with Jill Weinbank. She's fantastic. I love having her on. Check out all of her stuff. You'll see her on TV, too. She's on a lot. Especially if you're watching MSNBC. She's she's on there. I mean, she's on there all the time. And, and I think they should use her more. I mean, she's, you know, all these special counsels and all these things going on. Jill, who knows more than her? She's seen it all. And I got to tell you, I'm really excited to see that the ERA is making its rounds. I wonder if it survives this crazy court. Jill and I talked about that in our interview. So, you know, we'll see what happens. So, week ahead, uh, what to watch for this week. 
Uh, I think we're going to have more hysteria over these objects. I think they're going to be more things shut and getting shot down. But let me give you a little hope here. I think all of this mass confusion with the Chinese, I, I find it hard to believe that this country that has built itself up selling electronics and other consumer goods around the world wants to just throw that all away for some military aspiration. I feel like it might be more, you know, something that we're building up here. Now, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, you know, I'm not, look, I'm not a foreign affairs guy. I just find it hard to believe they built up all this infrastructure to build iPhones and Samsung Galaxies and, you know, this computer I'm doing this podcast on right now. This microphone was probably made in China. I, I, I find it hard to believe that they want to put spy balloons overhead. I, maybe this is an opportunity for, you know, this craziness to get to such a height that the, the leaders need to meet and have a conversation and work it out. Because what does China want to be? Uh, do they want to be this ingress, aggressive national power? Or, or do they want to trade with the world? And I think they want to trade with the world. I just think they want their people to be rich. I think they want their people to have the same middle class that we have here. And maybe without the poverty, right? Maybe without the poverty that we have here caused by it. So, so let's hope that this incident, which is bad, and, and frankly, I'm not giving them a pass. I'm really not. I, you know, the Chinese sending that balloon, that was an aggressive act, especially, you know, considering, we look, we all know everybody spies on everybody else, but usually they use satellites and usually you don't get caught. It was an aggressive act, and it was an intentional aggressive act, in my opinion. Uh, how could they not know that we wouldn't find it? It's a freaking balloon the size of, you know, three school buses. We're, we're going to see it on a clear day. It's been a light, easy winter. But let's hope that this leads to some conversations. And I don't think the conversation is going to happen right now. I think it's politically hard to have that conversation right now. But I think in the next two months, you'll start to see those conversations. But in the next two weeks, lots of hysteria. So get ready for that. And just say, hey, what are the facts? You don't even know the facts. Nobody knows the facts. We'll find out soon. All right. I want to thank you again for listening. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Christopher Hahn and Christopher Hahn NY on Instagram, ChristopherHahn.com. Shoot me an email if you uh, got a comment or topic you want me to talk about. Uh, I'm happy to hear from you. And I want to remind you now, as I always do, to seek the truth. Question everyone and everything, even me. Speak the truth. I Seek the truth. I know it's out there. I know you will find it if you look for it. And I'll be back here to tell you the truth the way I see it. I'm Chris Hahn. Thanks for listening to the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You don't need a lot of money to do more with it. Join Padma Lakshmi, Viola Davis, and Fidelity's Women Talk Money team during our free Women's History Month series as we get real about ways you can start planning and saving for the future you want so you can feel good about your money every step of the way. Save your seat today at fidelity.com slash WHM. 
Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, member NYSE, SIPC.